about it. Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History. Here we are again talking about weird stuff that we, we are. Found. It's your turn this week. So if there's nothing that you want to discuss before we get started, you can get straight into it. I was thinking because we've been doing the guests and we've had their three facts and guessing which one was a lie. And I was thinking maybe we should have done that, but it would have been impossible for us to do that at this stage in our relationship, I think. Because <laughs> And also, we, would we then have to do it every week? I've not got yeah, any interesting facts to like. It would be, you know, it'd be too hard. And we share a calendar now, me and we Cynthia. We do. <laughs> Even, you know what? stage in our relationship. I tried to share a calendar with my husband years ago and he still hasn't <laughs> accepted my invitation. <laughs> We've been married for 10 years this year. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, so I'm going to be talking to you now about haunted music boxes. <gasps> Ooh. Yes. Okay. This came about because I was planning for a book, which actually never came to be, but it, it was called Legend Buried and it was set in this town. Can you remember the name of the town? I can't. Gallo Ford. Gallo Forge. Gallo Forge. Wow. Well done. I wrote it into yeah. and Lose, Kill, Die. Well, the basic premise was that this town, they released an evil so that all of the local myths and legends started coming to life. And at the end, they were going to use a music box. A music box featured heavily in in the plot um, because it did do like the whole outline and everything. I might still write the rest of it. I don't know. That reminds Um, me of Buffy and the Gentleman. Well, funny you should say. Oh, this is how this is how I came up with the the idea I think and do you remember there was a little funny rhyme as well wasn't there yeah um, at the beginning and that and that was yeah. sort of inspired by Hush I was listening to um, Buffering the Vampire Slayer they were talking about that episode and there was loads of talk about music boxes and all that sort of thing and I was just like oh and it all sort of slotted into place so that's where I got a lot of the ideas from but yeah music boxes just creepy aren't they did you have a music box when you were a kid yeah one of the little ballerina ones yeah, um, yeah the little plastic ones I think my nana bought it for me but yeah I had yeah. one for years yeah I, I had one as well I had one with the little ballerina in it and I've got a good story to share with you later um which I came across <laughs> yeah so if you google haunted music boxes you get lots of things come up so there's lots of like podcasts and stuff where people have used a, a music box when they've been doing a bit of a ghost hunt or whatever but the first thing I came across was that you can buy they're called ghostly music boxes and you can, can buy them on the internet uh, they're very sought after popular ghost hunting tool and they act as a trigger object to try oh. and connect with paranormal entities so the idea is that you leave it alone you have to put it on a flat surface otherwise it doesn't work oh okay because ghosts don't like wobbly music <laughs> boxes <laughs> Yeah, you can get these online. I think they're quite popular. They're used quite a lot. If you leave it on its own, the way it works is this particular model. You can get these from uh, Spirit Shack online. So features include, they play eerie music. There's a bright red light so you can see it in dark because all the best ghost hunting is done at nighttime or in the dark, obviously. So they're small and portable, lightweight, easy to use, high quality and built to last. And they work on AA batteries. So oh, there you handy. Go. Yeah, but these 
so yeah as i said they're trigger it's a trigger object so i just had a quick look at trigger objects used in ghost hunting and they are objects basically that you you would leave unattended in the hopes that something would interfere with it other things that are trigger objects that people use are things like dice playing cards um toy cars oh. dolls obviously balls and things um, that are easy to move yeah, I think things that are e- easy to move, but easy to spot if they've if they've moved slightly. I was just quickly Googling whether a Ouija board is a trigger object, but I don't think it would be because it's not really unattended, is it? No, um, that's true. But with trigger yeah. objects, I think you can also, as well as just seeing if there is a like a, an entity around, you can ask it yes or no questions, depending on the kind of ghost you're hunting. So if you were hunting for Victorian ghosts, you could, for example, use Victorian coins, because it's something that the ghosts would be familiar with. Okay. Yeah. What would modern ghosts want to be? What would we use? One of those 1990s light up telephones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could make it light up, couldn't you? That's yeah. what, I still really want one of those. I want one for my desk yeah I never had yeah, one that's really cool you, you should get one you should definitely get one or um, it'd be a smartphone wouldn't it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or I was thinking of, um, you know, those little fidget things where you can pop, yeah. pop the holes in, whether you just put one and then like, that would be cool, wouldn't that it? That would be quite creepy, yeah. Yeah, that would be creepy. Anyway, so that's good. trigger objects in general for okay. you. Okay, so, I didn't know about those. No, I'm guessing you could, you could probably pretty much use anything, really. Have you ever done, have you ever tried to talk to a ghost? Have you been, are you too sensible? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I tried to do a Ouija board when yeah. I was about, oh, I want to say 16 or something, but I think there was a little bit of drinking involved and we all got freaked out and burnt the piece of paper. And I think that was the last time I ever did it. So, you yeah. know, there was, there's a Ouija, I'm going to talk about Ouija boards at some point because there was a scene in my first book with a Ouija board and it didn't get added into one of the later rounds of edits. And do you remember, I put it off. I kept, yeah. I couldn't write it. I was too scared. And I kept putting it yeah. off, but it's now one of my favourite bits of the book, I think. Yeah, I like that. It was it was a really good it was a really good addition, that bit. I don't like to think I'd invite stuff in. Quite no. happy being I don't like people coming in. Like, never mind, dead people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I I think I'd be too, I'd be the same. I'd be too scared. Um, I'd freak myself out too much. I would I'd see shadows everywhere and it's yeah. funny because it's just one not- thing reading and writing about it but yeah real life now the other night it was really warm and I was in bed and I was listening to a podcast to try and get to sleep and it got a bit spooky and I had to make the decision between can I put my leg out of the covers or stop listening to the podcast so I had to turn the podcast off so I could put my leg out of the cover so I could comfortably cool down I couldn't (laughs) I, I just couldn't do it while I was listening to the ghosty stuff and as soon as I turned it off I was fine yeah yeah Oh dear. Right. Okay. So yes, they've been using these music boxes for years, apparently, to to look for ghosts. There's a video from the Haunted Scouse, um, which is a video of a music box in a pub, in a really haunted pub, um, which apparently the landlady had seen a young girl kind of lurking around. And you can see the music box doesn't play music, but you can see it move slightly. Uh, so there was some speculation as to what how it was moving but it reminded me I don't know why but it reminded me of that scene from Ghostbusters 2 with Toaster dancing when they put the ectoplasm in it and it starts <laughs> bouncing around I was expecting something like that but it wasn't quite as grand no just that haunted scouse so like Liverpool yeah oh, okay yeah so they go around different buildings and 
and try and well, use, I cool. guess using trigger yeah using tr- trigger it didn't say why they used the the music box maybe they knew it was a little girl that was girl, there yeah. so they sort of wanted to yeah in Australia there was this I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly Larendell Mental Asylum um it closed in the 1990s but yeah it was in operation for a long time and it's like derelict now it's if you look if you look at it if you look online you can see pictures of it and it's I think they were gonna demolish it or or re um remodel and put like apartments in or whatever and I think they have reparked the building but lots of it is still sort of as it was so it's just covered in graffiti and stuff like that and like weird messages that people have gone in and you why know, would you want to buy an apartment there if like that's not been thought through has it no no some people just asking for trouble mm-hmm. in their lives yeah it looks it's a pretty eerie place and there's apparently there was somebody admitted there in the 60s his name was pete dupas Dupas, and he was admitted after attacking his neighbour with a vegetable peeler. Right? Oh. And he was only young. I think he was like 14 or something when he was admitted. And he was there for a while until he was then released on um, like day release. And he was just sort of, they said, you, you're okay to go out into society now. And uh, he was there. How long was he there? In the 80s and the 90s. And then, yeah, when he when they finally released him, he then went on to commit six murders Oh no! Removing the breasts of his female victims. Yikes! So probably shouldn't have released him. No, definitely not rehabilitated. That's quite scary no. though. Eighties and nineties, like we were alive yeah. when. I know. You think of mental asylums as like this really old Victorian yeah. idea, don't you? Because we don't even use yeah. like the terminology anymore. No. And do you remember, because this might be something that we talk about in the future, but do you remember I was, again, it was for this, this book, Legend Buried, because there was a scene in there where they were like, they go to an old asylum. Yeah. And we had a conversation, didn't we, about whether you should really be using that terminology and stuff like that. But I was researching, because, you know, I like a bit of local history. I was researching an asylum that's local to me and it was called Springfield Asylum and it was a private asylum and it was you know it was sort of very proud of all the things it had on offer and there was this lovely advert for you know various things you could play tennis there you know it had lovely gardens and all that sort of thing and they had these two new doctors do you remember me telling you this and their doctor the doctor's names were oh, oh, Dr. Okay. Dr Leach and Dr Pulley just it makes <laughs> you think of just horrendous oh. like scenes in the operating theatre doesn't it yeah it just yeah and could you imagine being like brought in there and you know the the manager or whoever comes through and they're like these are our newest doctors and they're like I think you'll find our methods quite progressive (laughs) and actually Kat Ellis's episode comes out this week oh yeah when this one releases so if you are interested in leech facts Mm. that would be one to listen to so that's a weird little coinkydink yeah that was a nice nice little connection there so anyway yeah this this asylum obviously the you know this idea that when you've got a place that's experienced a lot of pain and upset and kind of mental trauma you've got to believe that it kind of leaves something behind in that building sure yeah definitely um, and they all everyone who's who's sort of gone there has said oh you know it felt weird or whatever 
And the most reported presence, apparently, is that of a young girl who died on one of the floors on one of the wards. And uh, she's been increasingly, she was increasingly attached to her music box towards the end of her life there. And she can often be seen or heard. You can hear the music box in this asylum, apparently. Yeah, some lovely uh, twinkly music. But you know, it's a bit at the end where it starts to wind down. Yeah. It gets really slow. Um, Yeah, some people have said that they've actually seen her in her nightdress holding holding the music box. It was on Atlas Obscure, actually. Um, There's somebody's recording of being in the asylum and hearing the music box in in the background. But apparently it's it's near student halls and apparently students like play the music have music boxes (laughs) (laughs) all student essentials take away to uni fresh as wheat (laughs) yeah but I mean it's it's and of course you can hear there's there's loud bangs and crying and the best one children's laughter oh yes Um, apparently hanging around this particular asylum but yeah why I don't know why she's holding that music box you know why she was so attached to it I don't know how she died either Oh, anyway, um, might have been her only possession. Maybe it might have been the only thing she had. Yeah, possibly. Um, Yeah. And then the other thing I I came across was this wonderful story written by Rona Vassilar. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And this is a story from 2016. And this is about a music box that her her mother bought for her sister. I used to have a bin in my room that I was really scared of because it had a clown face on it. And yeah, and apparently my parents used to, in the morning, every morning they used to wake up and it'd be in their room because I would move in there. (laughs) Didn't move in there by itself. That would have been... That would have been very scary. Yeah. Yeah. But my, a friend of mine's sister, apparently she had one of those China dolls and she used to take it everywhere with her and she'd like, you know, brush its hair and change its clothes and everything. And he said she was just with it all the time. And they talked about it recently. And he was like, why did you, why were you obsessed with that China doll? And she was like, because I thought it was going to kill me. So I had to treat it with respect. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say because it spoke to me or because it was my friend. (laughs) Not that. She was was scared of it. She was so scared of it. She was like, of course I'll brush your hair. (laughs) my sister had an Irish dancing one and it had like the ringlets and stuff oh it was just horrible it was just they're so scary I know I don't see the appeal at all I don't I just don't know I don't you know you can buy haunted dolls on Etsy really yeah but you've got to like adopt them there's a group like a cabbage patch kid yeah you have to you have to be like vetted that you will treat this haunted doll properly yeah awful let's go Anyway, so this story, this lovely story, um, is about yeah a haunt, a, a music box. This girl, Rona, um, she had a sister, and her mum bought her sister this this lovely music box, like the one we were talking about earlier with the ballerina in it. One like everybody had. So, and I think it was pink, and it has was it? It's like a porcelain ballerina, or maybe a plastic one. I think mine was um, plastic. Yeah, and it had. Um, she she said that her sister was was like really. She found it really off putting, and she didn't like it at all. And she said normally I would I would you know make up a terrifying story about it and say that it you know that it was it, that it was evil or haunted, but actually. I shared a room with my sister and it and it was on the dressing table, it was on the bedside table between us. So I didn't want to 
actually give myself nightmares as well. Um, but when you wound it up, it played the, fur, is it Fur Elise by Beethoven? That like classic music box music, but it, the mechanism was going. So it was like really sort of mm. eerie. Um, anyway, they had it in the room and they were just, you know, they kept saying to their mum that they didn't like it. And the mum was like, oh, no, it's lovely. Every little girl should have a music box and all this sort of stuff. So they just sort of lived with it. And one night, the older sister was sort of awoken in the middle of the night. And her her younger sister, who the, who, who the music box was, it was hers. It was her gift. She was fast asleep. She was a really deep sleeper. So anyway, the other sister woke up. She sort of uh, took her a moment to adjust to the darkness and she looked round and the music box was open. And she was like, oh, that's weird. Even weirder was that the ballerina was missing from the music box. Her sister made a noise and she looked round to her sister and the ballerina was crawling up her sister's face. Oh my her mouth. Oh my god. Is this a real story or is it a story story? <laughs> I don't know. It's just a story. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you the details of where I found it. But I just thought it was such a brilliant story. Oh, that's horrible. Do you remember the one from? I think it was in 13 Tales of Horror, the Point Horror Collection. And there was a little China doll, and it would it had a box and if you put it in the box it would bang on the box with its fists oh yeah oh, oh, i think that's horrible what did it for me yeah so she she screamed and woke her sister up and her sister like opened her mouth and the ballerina crawled inside and was like going for it and she <laughs> rescued her sister pulled the ballerina out and she had said the ballerina had clumps of human flesh in her little tiny hands that and she's still got that kind of I know, vacant, like, look that one of those ballerina things do. And she threw it to the floor and it scampered under the door and escaped. That's horrible. Yeah. So then they had to leave. (laughs) They told their parents who didn't believe them. Um, I mean, you wouldn't, would you? I mean, I know you should. I would. I'd believe anything like that. I would believe her 100%. And I'd be like, okay, I believe you. There was a story recently... I can't remember where I read it. These kids every night shared a room and they were saying to their mum, there's a creature in the room, there's a creature. Um, And the mum was like, no, there isn't. Check under the, you know, check under the bed. Everything's fine. And this went on for like five or six days. And every night they were like, there's a creature in here, there's a creature and just screaming every night until finally they put like, because they can be pretty convincing kids. So I think they put like a, what do you call it? A camera in the room so they could make sure everything was all right. And there was a possum living in the bedroom. Oh. Amongst all the like soft toys and everything. And it was just coming out at night and like sniffing around (laughs) and stuff. And the girls were just like screaming their heads off and then of course when parent came in and the lights went on it would just hide again oh so <laughs> horrible no so look through the toys yeah, yeah yeah that was just a little um little bit about music boxes for you I love that story I yeah, think that's a brilliant true. story I love the fact that you can buy a ghost hunting music box yeah yeah and um, you can get them all yeah they're quite readily available and they're very very popular mm. but imagine that just standing around and then slowly the music starts oh playing. no that's I'd just be gone I'd go like I don't no. think my brain would even I'd just be gone <laughs> yeah it's that plinky plonky sort of isn't it yeah and it is it's the slow when it gets to the end and it does that yeah Ding. yeah yeah not good Anyway, well, I'm going to ruin your lovely story with a bit of a true crime tale. I'm going to tell you about Carl Tanzler. Oh. 
you ever heard of Carl Tanzler? No. So when I was writing Last Born to Die, and my villain in it is based on Springheel Jack, and I didn't quite know what my ending was going to be. And we actually discussed an ending where he would like climb a rope of hair down into a cellar or a dungeon or hell or something. And it just wasn't fitting with like the contemporary setting. And I remember I had a hospital appointment one day and I was driving home listening to my favourite murder. And it was episode 186 and it's called Sprankers, in case anyone wants to listen to them do it in a bit more detail. And they started talking about the weird case of Carl Tanzler. And anyone who might have read Last One to Die, you'll probably understand why this was inspiration for the ending without me giving away too many spoilers. So according to Wikipedia, Carl Tanzler was born on February the 8th in 1877, but he was known by many different names, including Count Karl von Kozel, George Karl Tanzel, Karl Tanzler von Kozel, and I think there was another one which was a bit of a mash of all of those. He was born in Dresden in Germany, and he got married in about 1920 when he was 43. They had two children, and he emigrated to the US in 1926. So he ditched his wife and two little girls and he emigrated to the US. And I think the plan was that eventually they would join him. So they did eventually join him. And when they did, he moved to Florida. (laughs) So they had come and settled with him in Havana in Cuba. And he went to Florida to be a radiology technician. A bit about his childhood. When he was a, a boy, he claimed that he was visited in his dreams by an ancestor who used to show him the beautiful, dark haired, exotic woman's face and used to say that this was the face of his true love. He then later had these dreams again when he was in America, which could be part of the reason why he ditched his wife for a second time, because he felt like he wasn't with the kind of predicted love of his life. Mm. So at age 53, on April 22nd in 1930, he met Cuban-American Maria Elena Helen Malagro de Hoyos, who I will refer to as Elena from now on. That's how she's known. So she was born in 1909. So she was only 21 when she met 53-year-old Carl Tanzler who was married and had two children. So it's a bit yuck. Mm. She was the woman from his visions, apparently. So she had been brought in by her parents. I think they were quite well off. Dad was a cigar manufacturer or something like that. And this is in Key West in Florida in the 1930s. So you can imagine it was probably a bit of a booming industry. And she was brought into hospital and she was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which of course, back then there was no real yeah. cure. You just It was a death sentence. Carl Tanzler became so obsessed with Elena that he attempted to treat her with x-rays and electrical equipment that he would take from the hospital without permission and take to their house and treat her privately. So I don't really know what, I don't know if her parents were just so desperate to maybe get a cure, Mm -hmm. but they kind of let this doctor come in and and do all sorts of things. He showered her with gifts and he professed his love. There's no evidence at all that she returned those feelings or had, you know, invited it in any kind of a way. Mm -hmm. And in October 1931, at 22 years old, she died. Gosh. But Carl had developed this obsession. He paid for her funeral and he had an above ground mausoleum built 
nights. So he visited the mausoleum almost every night. He had one key made and he had the key. So the family didn't have a key. So for about two years until 1933, he visited nearly every night and said her spirit would visit him and they would sing to one another, sing this Spanish folk song, which I'll I'm going to end on the Spanish folk song. Mm. And she asked him to take her out of the grave. So, oh, Cynthia. One night, Carl <laughs> brings a toy wagon to the graveyard and took her home. She'd obviously started to decompose because she was dead. Mm. So he did a little bit of work on her. Oh, my goodness. He attached her bones back together with piano wire. Oh. He fitted her with glass eyes. And because her skin had started to decompose, he soaked silk cloth in wax and plaster and placed it over her face. And if you're not squeamish, if you go on Wikipedia, there is pictures of her when she was discovered a few years later. And she's kind of got this plaster cast mask. She doesn't look real. She looks like a doll. He made a wig out of the hair that was falling out. And somehow he already had some of her hair from the girl's mother. So he'd already fashioned this wig out of her own hair. So she wore that. He filled her abdominal cavity with rags to make her seem, I don't know, 3D. (laughs) Um, And he dressed her in stockings, jewellery, gloves, and he kept her in his bed. Oh, my goodness. Of course he did. He uh, respected her privacy, so there was a curtain in between the two of them. Oh, wow. He used copious amounts of perfume and disinfectants and preserving agents to mask the odour and prevent decomposition. So that was in 1933. I'm going to skip to 1940. So there had been rumours. So I've read in a couple of different places. There was one rumour where a little boy said he'd saw Carl Tanzler dancing with somebody in his front room through the window. And there is another one where it says her sister arrived to the house and he was dancing with her in front of the window. So I don't know which is true, but the sister had heard rumours and he was out buying money clothes and things like this so I think he was like the town weirdo um so she goes around to confront him and she sees this life-size doll in his house and she realizes it's actually the body of her sister so she reports him to the police he is arrested and detained he is found mentally competent to stand trial um but of course he didn't kill her so he's only charged with wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization But because it's America and they've got a thing called a statute of limitations, which means Mm. that crimes can basically run out. So if you do something, if you get caught 10 years later, it's too late. You've already done it. And that statute of limitations has run out. So the case was dropped and he was released because the statute of limitations had run out. Oh, my goodness. Elena was then put on public display at the Dean Lopez funeral home and visited by almost 7,000 people who wanted to see the body. I don't really know why they did that. I don't know why the family, I don't know. But she was then buried in an unmarked grave in a secret location in Florida to stop him. Doing it again. Oh my goodness. Because he was free. The newspapers and the public mood at the time were sympathetic to Carl Tanzler, calling him a romantic. What? (laughs) And What's wrong with people? I don't know. I just, but he was a lot of women. I think. Well, if he was a doctor, he was you know a bit charming. So he just um, a bit quirky. Yeah, he just loved her so much. <laughs> 
you know, it's fine. Um, and then there is, so it's not contemporary to the time, this evidence, but there is later evidence that suggests that um, he had created some kind of tube and practiced necrophilia. But it's not, of course, of course he did. a bit of a questionable sort. We don't know if mm. people have like embellished that as it's gone on. <laughs> So he died in 1952. So he carried on for a good 12 12 years after Elena was discovered at his house. He was still married and his wife would still go around and help him with stuff, which is even weirder because when he was found after his death, he wasn't found for three weeks. So I think that probably shows that he didn't have many people in his life. Um, He was reportedly holding a life-sized effigy that was wearing Elena's death mask. There are stories that he had made this doll and he had just taken a death mask from the corpse. And then there are other stories that he'd actually managed to somehow swap out the body and he was still living yeah. with the, the body. He so, was obsessed, wasn't he? Complete. Like how he was found mentally competent. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. So there's been a couple of songs written about this case, which made me chuckle. One's called Dust Off My Bride. And the other one is called Dead Girls Never Say No, which is quite horrible and sinister. Yeah. And then this is the information everywhere. And then I found a thing called horrorobsessive.com and they had a little bit of extra information that I didn't know about. Apparently at Tansler's home, he had built an outdoor laboratory in the shape of an aeroplane and he called it Elena's airship. And he thought that eventually he could fire her body into the atmosphere and that the radiation in the atmosphere would bring her back to life. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there is a picture of it online. And then I had a look at ranker.com and they were saying he actually posed as a doctor. He had no medical training. So he just lied about his qualifications to become a radiologist. Yeah, I can Where see that. And <laughs> I can see that as well. <laughs> Odd behaviour that no one picked up on, like buying women's clothing. He was fired from the hospital. And apparently when he decided that he was going to get out of there and leave town after all this had happened, he went to the mausoleum that he had paid for and he destroyed it with dynamite. (laughs) So I'm going to end on the folk song that they would sing to one another. It's from a Spanish folk song called La Boda Negra which means the Black Wedding. And the words are, by a flickering funeral candlelight... On his bed that flowers covered, he gently lay the body of his sweetheart and said his wedding vows to his dead lover. Lovely. And that is the story of Carl Tanzler. I know. But if you've read Last One to Die, you might understand where the inspiration went. Yeah, definitely. It's just crazy, isn't it? Uh, do you know what? I'm picturing, you know, that scene in Interview the Vampire where Lestat picks up that dead that corpse and starts dancing with her. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, after all that time, that would be because of the rigor mortis and everything, like to, to manoeuvre somebody around. Yeah. I think um, rigor mortis dies off, though. Like, I think well, does it? floppy again. And he had, he'd like, put it together with piano wire and stuff mm. yeah it's mm. okay and also right. that people were sympathetic towards him I, ju- I just no it's weird isn't it I think that's a definite shift in uh yeah. society and how we view predators mm. definitely well sorry and thank you for joining us see you next time bye browser history deleted